Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Kevin. Have you done the microphone right this time? Yay. Hey, well, we are excited about Sunday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> and so are a couple of people here. <laughs> we are looking forward to be becoming Junction Church on the 13th. And um, thank you very much for all the people who've, who've been involved investing time in Inverness up until now. And thank you in advance for all the teams that will be coming through to support us and help us. And as time goes on, um, the vision is for that to be going in two directions rather than just one. So um, anything we can help out with here in Inverness, in Aberdeen, then just let us know. Hey, well, we're continuing the, the Freedom series tonight. And um, we're basing it on these um, verses in Second Corinthians. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And here we see that when we're in the presence of God, we're changed, we're transformed, we're becoming like Him. And, you know, that's what we all need in our lives. That should be our our desire. Why? Because it enables us to impact our world. We're not going to change the world in our normal, natural selves. We will change the world when we're reflecting the image of Jesus to the people around us. And that's why it's so crucial that we seek the presence of God, and that we're pursuing Him, that we're seeking His presence, because it's in His presence where there's freedom, and it's in His presence where change can take place. Tonight, I'm going to be talking a bit about health. There's a lot of um, concern about health these days. If you open up the the newspapers uh, or um, have a look at the BBC News Internet, you'll um, find lots of health stories, and and rightly so. There There are genuine concerns about the health of the nation you know, my sister lives in, in Lindsay, just um, north of Glasgow, and it's a scary fact that um, people who live in Lindsay and, and that area have a life expectancy seven and a half years greater than the people in Glasgow just down the road. <laughs> you know, you, you might walk from one to the other without noticing it, but there's this huge difference in life expectancy, and it's all to do with the, with the choices that um, people are making, lifestyle choices people are making in those places. Yeah. A major factor is that Glaswegians don't have healthy hearts. Um, you know, that's related to diet and exercise and, and all sorts of other things. It's due to the choices they make. And I want to focus on, on healthy hearts tonight. Yeah. And as you can imagine, I'm, I'm not just going to be focusing... On the, on the physical organ that beats in our chest. But let's just stay with the physical uh, for a minute. 
Physical training's become a, a big business in our world today. Gym memberships, diets, books, special foods, wonder cures for obesity. If we could become fit and healthy by spending money, you know, modern society would have it sorted. Um, diets work, exercise works, so why do we keep reading more headlines about the poor health of the nation? Well, I reckon a big part of it is a lack of discipline, a lack of perseverance, a lack of determination to stick at it for the long haul. Kate and I watched a a program about the the whole diet industry and the the multi-million pound income that some of these companies make. And yet, in this um, study, the people they were following, the the diet worked for all of them who who started it. But um, five years later, only uh, one in six of the people had um, maintained all that weight loss. Uh, Why? It's all to do with self-discipline. Look what Paul says here in 1 Timothy 4.8. It says, Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so what this verse is saying, that it's right to be concerned about physical health. Physical health is important, but spiritual health is more important. We do need to be physically well to complete our mission, but the outcome, it hangs even more closely on how much we've been impacted by the, spiritual God, by the Spirit of God. And when the Bible speaks of a heart, it's not talking about the, the organ pumping blood. It's talking about our innermost being. It's talking about the spiritual center of our lives. And it's there that real change starts and that transformation begins that will impact our world. When I was a student in Edinburgh, I was um, walking or probably running um, to um, university one morning, about 10 a.m., heading down into the grass market, and when something caught my eye, across on the other side of the street, two guys had just come out of a pub. Um, It was only 10-ish in the morning, but um, they'd obviously um, had a fair bit to drink already and um, they had obviously had a falling out because um, one of them was lying on the pavement and I I don't think he was probably capable of being in any other position. (laughs) The other one was this enormous guy, about six foot six, bulging muscles. Um, He was wearing a a kilt um, and um, great big Doc Martin boots. And he was using those boots on the guy on the pavement. Womp, womp, womp. And um, so I obviously was a bit concerned about this. <laughs> but I, um, I, I looked at the, the muscles and I looked at the Doc Martin boots um, and I looked at my watch and I was late as usual. And um, those were all relatively good excuses So I passed by on the other side. And then God spoke to me. And he spoke to me in the form of this little old lady um, who suddenly appeared out of nowhere and stood in my path and said, Look, look, do something. (laughs) And so now I had no option 
So with some um, trepidation, I crossed the street and walked over to this big guy and said, "Um, do you think you could please stop doing that? (laughs) And he looked down at me and he said, how? Which, um, if you don't know Scots dialect, means why. Uh, How? Is he your friend? And um, then he spun around and went back into the pub. And, you know, I reckon God was in that. Um, it wasn't... Yeah, I, um, I certainly lacked the muscles to take this guy on, but, you know, some of you young guys who are, who are into um, MMA and so on, I, I reckon you'd have thought twice about taking this guy on as well. <laughs> it wasn't really lack of muscles that, that was the, the issue. It was a lack of something on the inside which had held me back um, from, from going to help. Yeah. And, you know, really what we need, um, yeah, big muscles are great, physical training is great, but what we need are the, the spiritual muscles on the inside yeah. that, that will um, be willing to step into our world to meet people at their point of need and to make a difference. Yeah. You know, Jesus one day, um, he stood up in the synagogue and he read from the, the book of Isaiah, in his hometown in Capernaum. And uh, it was the prophecy about the the coming Messiah. And he said to those people, "Um, today this um, scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And these people are beginning to get irritated by this. And they're they're saying, who's he? He's he's nobody. We know him. We we know his dad. He's He's the carpenter from down the road. And um, then Jesus really gets them going. He says, no prophets accepted in his, in his hometown. He said, um, there were lots of lepers in, in Israel um, back in the time of Naaman the Syrian, but um, only the, the foreigner got healed. And these people are getting more and more angry. And as Jesus went on in this vein, they decided to stone him. And they, they march out of the synagogue, um, presumably carrying Jesus along just with the, the weight of the crowd. They go up to the top of this cliff. And, you know, it's, it's not muscles that are, are going to save Jesus there. It's the power of God on the inside. And um, Jesus just supernaturally walks out through that crowd. I don't know exactly how he did it, but he just... He just walks out. The, the people must have, have parted to, him, to let him go. But he just walks out because he's empowered by God, because he spends time with God, because he's built some spiritual muscles on the inside. And we need to recognize that we're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings also. And just as our physical body needs food, so does our spirit. We need to care for the outer person, but we also need to care for the inner person. And just as, uh, as my body needs nutrition and exercise, my inner man needs nutrition and exercise also. It takes discipline to, um, to keep this body fit and healthy and the perfect specimen you see before you tonight. <laughs> and likewise, it takes discipline to maintain spiritual health. You know, sports people, they make choices based on where they want to get to. The, the further they aim to go in their chosen sport, the, the more disciplined they need to be. And they choose to do certain things and they choose to do not, not to do certain things based on that. 
My cousin has just retired as a professional cyclist at the age of 30. And um, I remember when, when he was an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, and um, going into his bedroom and cycling was his dream. Um, anyone remember Indurain? He was, uh, um, he was the top cyclist um, of, of the, the time um, about 20 years ago. And there were posters of him up on the wall and um, posters of um, physical exercise and how to build up the body and posters of bikes and all sorts. And that was Pete's dream. And he pursued it wholeheartedly. And, you know, he was determined to work his way up the the ranks of, of world cycling. And he made it almost to the top, just, the, just one rank below the, the very highest. And it was, yes, he must have had gifts and abilities there, but it was his determination to stick at it that, that got him um, to that position. And so the question for us is, who do you want to become? And, and yes, who do you want to become physically? But, but more importantly, who do you want to become in God? And the answer to that question will lead you to the choices you have to make. Yeah. Is there anyone here who's, who's ever taken part in a triathlon? <laughs> We've got a few triathletes. Brilliant. Um, I haven't, but I reckon I could, I could, I reckon I could give it a go on the, the sort of basic standard triathlon, which is, is 1.5K swim, um, 40K bike ride, 10k run wouldn't be any good for speed but I reckon I could have a shot at that but what about an Ironman triathlon has anyone ever tried that no hands are going up for that one an Ironman triathlon has a 3.8k swim um, 180k cycle ride and um, 42k run which is a full marathon all in one day (laughs) But believe it or not, I was reading about this guy the other day who's um, known as the Iron Cowboy. And um, this guy did an Ironman triathlon every day for 50 days in 50 different um, states of the USA. And, you know, that is just utterly mind-blowing to, to most of us, even to the, to the athletes among us, I would imagine, but it shows what a, an individual with tremendous determination can do with this physical body. And the, the amazing thing is this physical body has limitations. Ultimately, you will push it to its limits. Maybe we haven't quite got there yet, but you'll push it to its limits. But spiritually speaking, there are no limits. When we're connected with God, um, we can keep pushing and pushing, and there is, there is never an end to God. There's, there's never a time that we run out of God. Imagine what, what could be possible when, the, when in the Spirit, when we rise up with that God connection on the inside and believe Him for greater and greater things. The thing is, why don't we get there? Well, the thing is, there is um, something inside of us which resists training. Those of you who, those of you who go to the gym or, or do any sort of physical exercise, you've probably experienced this and th- this thing inside of us it resists every type of training both physical and spiritual and it's called the flesh or the sinful nature or the the old man in various parts in the bible and 
The flesh is lazy. The, the flesh is apathetic. The flesh is unmotivated. And it's always trying to stop us pressing forward. It's always trying to stop us uh, having that breakthrough. And so there's a battle on inside of us between that flesh and the, the spirit on the inside that is saying, go, go, go and achieve for God. You know, physically speaking, choices trump circumstances. We all have different DNA, and that DNA will incline us in different directions. And some people are, are naturally slimmer than others. Some people are, are naturally more athletic than others. But that, those differences in DNA, they're far outweighed by, by effort, by training, by um, the, the choices that you make, what to do with your body. And it's the same in the spirit. Choices trump circumstances. There may be circumstances in your life that are speaking to you and, and they're saying, you can't do this. You know, maybe they're negative words that have been spoken over you in the past. Um, maybe they're natural restrictions that you're very well aware of in your life. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, maybe it's a lack of money. Maybe it's a lack of resources. Uh, maybe you, you, from the background that you came from, um, people always told you, we can't do this. But, you know, the choices we make can rise above those circumstances. They, with the Holy Spirit, we, we rise up. He enables us to rise up above those things. And so how do we train spiritually? How do we achieve a, a healthy heart? I could give you 101 great strategies at this point, and, you know, the, the, they'd be good things and um, you could have a go at. But instead of, of strategies tonight, I just want to distill it down to, to two uh, fundamental areas which we've got to prioritize in our lives. And I believe they're these. Connect with God and connect with God's people. Yeah. That's basically what Jesus said in Matthew 22. When um, somebody comes up and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is basically saying that the two most important things in life are to love God and to love people. And... Our connection with God is absolutely crucial to, to the state of our heart, to the health of our, our spiritual heart. And that means time set aside for Him. That means that the connection is a priority in our lives. The Word of God is food. You know, we, however busy we are, um, we, we don't stop eating. We manage to eat somehow. We need to give the same priority to our connection with God, yes. to, to set that time aside with him in a, in a, a disciplined way. Yeah. I reckon discipline is the most important thing here. 15 minutes a day of ring-fenced quality time with God will build you up much more than, than an occasional hour. Um, but, but build it. Stretch it. Go beyond where you've ever gone before. If you're already at 15 minutes, then go for 20. The important thing is we're growing. We're changing. Don't compare yourself with other people. Just make sure you're growing. I, um, we had a couple of um, visitors in the, 
church in Inverness a, a few years ago, and um, quite an intense couple that were asking us a lot of questions after the, after the service, and uh, one of the questions was, um, how long do you pray every day? And I said, um, oh, about 45 minutes, which was, was where I was at at the time, and um, they said, oh, um, the, the pastor in the church we've come from, he prays three hours every day. <laughs> You know, sometimes you feel inadequate when you hear something like that. Sometimes you feel like you just don't measure up. But don't compare yourself with other people. Just make sure you're connecting with God and that relationship is on the increase rather than the decrease. So, connection with God, number one. But connection with people, number two. Church is a crucial part of the training process because it's not just about me and Jesus. It's about me Jesus and other people. You know, church is a place, and um, I know this is a a top priority here in the junction. Church is a place of encouragement. Church is a place where you're built up. Church is a place where you can come in having been battered around by the world during the week, and somebody's going to say, hey, you can do it. Somebody's going to say, hey, you can keep going. Somebody's going to say, hey, you can keep pressing forward. You can overcome. You can have the victory. You know, um, we we know these things in our heads, but to have someone get around us and and reinforce that and and remind us, uh, that may be just the boost that we need to, to live victoriously that week. The other thing I'd say is that church is also a place where we're rubbed up the wrong way sometimes, where somebody upsets you a bit where there's a, a bit of a sandpaper person that's, um, that's a bit of an irritant in your life. And, you know, that isn't a bad thing. That's something that trains us also. That's something that builds us up. Because if we learn to deal with that, if we learn to resist taking offense, if we learn to avoid getting thrown off kilter by that, uh, then that's part of the training for, uh, process. We've built some more muscles on the inside that will enable us to be stronger in future. I was reading, as I was preparing for this, about the the poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And I, I knew nothing about him before I started reading this, but very interesting. Coleridge had one of the most incredible minds of his generation. But tragically, he completely lacked discipline. He, he went to Cambridge University. That, um, that gives you an idea of the sort of intellect that he had. Um, but um, after a while, he left university because he wanted to go into the army. He spent a few months in the army, and then he gave up on that and went back to university. But he left university again without getting his degree and um, made this exciting plan with a friend to go over to Pennsylvania and start a new um, utopian community um, with some like-minded people. Um, But the plan was abandoned after a few months. Then he he started publishing a newspaper called The Watchman, um, which produced 10 issues and then shut down. He he was um, one of the most highly regarded um, linguists of the time, and um, a top publisher commissioned him to, um, to translate um, Goethe's Faust uh, in, from German into English. 
And he accepted the commission, but six weeks later, he packed it in. And this was a hugely gifted man, but he failed to make the most of his incredible talents because he lacked focus and he would not complete the tasks he embarked on. In his head, he had all kinds of books, which he said were completed save for transcription. In other words, they were never written down. And so no one ever knew knew the content of them. He couldn't face the discipline of sitting down at his desk for hours and writing them out. And someone said of Coleridge, he lost himself in visions of work to be done that always remained to be done. And, you know, tragically, that happens to to us as Christians as well. And we need to fight that. We need to get in training. We need to be a different breed. We need to be a people, yes, with vision, but a vision that spurs us to action. A people who who not only have a dream, but are prepared to to work to see that dream become reality. A people who will rise in response to the call. A people who will act in response to the vision. Listen to this um, inspirational piece from um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul writes, I do all this for the sake of the gospel. And he's talking about his life's work. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, what a contrast to Coleridge. Here's a man who's got a vision before him, And he's working for that vision to become reality. Paul's talking about a life of purpose. He's talking about a life of direction, a life of discipline, a life of focus. Let's embrace that. Let's get in training for the race of life. Let's um, get that self-discipline, that self-control, that focus, that intention around our lives so that we will all have healthy hearts. Let's pray together tonight. Well, Father, we thank you for this inspiration from, from your word. And Lord, I thank you for the, for the calling of God upon our lives. Lord, we are honored to serve you. And Lord, we, we desire healthy hearts. We desire that connection that will enable you to, to touch us, to change us, to make us more of of what you want us to be. Father, I pray for your spirit to lead us, for your spirit to guide us, for your spirit to mold us and to shape us. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you know in your heart of hearts that you don't know God. This relationship that I've been talking about tonight, that's not a reality for you. 
The great news is that that can change. God makes us an offer. God makes us, offers us a gift. Gift of forgiveness. He'll wipe the slate clean. He'll remove the, the mess of our past. He did that for me. He can do that for you. God can give us vision, hope for the future. Not just for this life, but for eternity. And, you know, all it takes is a simple step. All it takes is a response from us. God doesn't force his, his gift on us. We need to make a choice to accept it. And you can do that tonight. You know, what I'd ask is that while every head's bowed, every eye's closed in this place, if you'd like to make that choice tonight, I'd ask you to lift your arm high in the air, just make sure I've seen it, then put it down again. You know, if that's you tonight, God's here. We can't see Him. You may or may not feel Him, but God is here. And all it takes is a response from you. All it takes is for you to say yes to Jesus, to accept what He's offering. And he'll come in. He'll live in your life. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. It's not always plain sailing. But sure is better facing the, the storms of life with God on the inside than without Him. You know, if that's you tonight and you'd like to make that choice, just lift your hand high now. Is there anyone who'd like to make that decision? Anyone who'd like to, to choose to follow Him for the first time? Lift your hand and then put it back down. If that's you. Is there anybody? Well, you know, I'd like to pray for every person in this place tonight. Maybe we could stand. Visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.